As you guys do that, I want to open up in prayer and I want us to um, join with a a heart uh, that is expecting to hear from the Lord. Amen. Um, the Bible says we have not because we ask not. Right? So we have to go before God if we expect to receive direction from Him. If we expect to receive uh, illumination, enlightenment, um, so on and so forth. Amen. So, you know, if you don't ask the counselor what, if one doesn't ask a counselor how to direct their lives, then how, how might we expect to receive that? Amen. So, you know, the Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 2 that if you cry out for understanding and lift up your voice for knowledge, then the knowledge of God shall be pleasant unto your soul. Right? And so the counsel of God is the lamp of the Lord. And if we do, do not petition before Him, if we don't lift up our voice for understanding, the Bible says, only until you have sought for it as for. Uh, hidden treasures shall you find the knowledge of God. And what I've learned is that oftentimes people within the body of Christ, unfortunately, are complacent, they're they're apathetic, they're even indifferent to uh, obtaining understanding. Uh, and it is no wonder why people end up uh, suffering harm uh, because of, of ignorance. Um, and as the Bible says in Hosea, it says, For the lack of knowledge, my people perish. Right? And so people, they're going to perish for a lack of knowledge. You know, one of the greatest things that humanity is plagued with, it's, it's ignorance. Um, and some people say, well, I, I didn't know. Uh, but, you know, unfortunately, the law has really no flexibility uh, in that... Um, it doesn't care if you don't know, right? Now, of course, God cares if you don't know and, and is willing to help, but if you're not willing to ask, then he is not willing to give. And so uh, that's one of those preconditions that you uh, have to meet in order for God to bless you. Amen? You know, a, a, a prayerless people is a lazy people. You know, people who don't want to pray are lazy. And um, that, and they simply just don't believe. They do not believe within the power of God to act. If, if I say that there is a lion outside of my house, and I go outside of my house, then you... Either I have like a gun or something to protect me that lends me the confidence that uh, to believe that I'll be able to survive or I'm just lying. And so how is it that we believe that we can make it throughout life without the assistance of God, without his power? And so that if I say that... Um, 
I, I, I believe in prayer, right? But I don't avail myself of all that is available to me in God through prayer, then I, I don't believe in it. You know, because belief ultimately is inseparable from action. If I say that I believe something, then ultimately I'm going to follow in that direction, right? <clears throat> so if I believe that, um, you know, if here's a good example. If I believe that uh, Jesus' word is sufficient, then when he says, uh, come, then I, I will step out of the boat like Peter and come, Right? So, you know, there, there's many areas in, in your life where you're not, you're not going. And yet the Lord has said, step outside of the boat. Right? And whatever, that, whatever boat that is for you. It might be stepping out of a relationship. It might be um, stepping into studying in the university. It might, I don't know what it is. But there are boats that you have to step out, so to speak. And what does the scriptures inform us about regarding stepping out? It requires faith. Now, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So, <coughs> excuse me. I want to ask that we join together uh, with uh, undivided hearts and, and begin to ask God for his blessing on this gathering today. Amen. <coughs> So let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we come before you. We, we come to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Father, I thank you that we are able to come to uh, your throne boldly. Father, your word doesn't instruct us to come to the throne timidly. doesn't instruct for us to come to the throne anxiously but that we can come before your throne, O God, with boldness and assurance and confidence, knowing that through the blood of Jesus Christ, we, we, we can ask, Lord, whatsoever we wish in your name, and with believing, we shall have those things for which we've asked. So God, right now, I pray that your presence would be here. I pray that your anointing would be uh, would descend uh, upon uh, your people, upon this gathering, that you would uh, grant to me unction, that you would grant to me prophetic unction and insight, and that you would enable me to expound your word. Father, I pray that you would cut to the heart of your people, <clears throat> that you, Lord, would begin to destroy the works of the wicked one, that you'd begin to demolish every stronghold of the enemy, that you would begin to uh, uh, destroy and, and sever every single lie of the wicked one that he has attempted to enact in the hearts and the minds of your people. Father, expose his lies this day. Expose his lies, Lord. Expose our ignorance, Lord, in love. And enable us, Father, to step into the plans and the purposes that you have for our lives in the name of Jesus. Grant to us this day wisdom and knowledge and power and glory. Father, I pray that, that the enemy uh, would not succeed in causing us to digress from stepping inside your will. 
Father, may we rise up with boldness. May we rise up with confidence and faith in you, in the living God. Hallelujah. Father, banish anxiety and may the peace of the Lord uh, encompass and safeguard our minds and our hearts in the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Even now, Lord, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your peace. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for backing this prayer, God, with your presence. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. You are my peace. You are my peace. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. <coughs> Hallelujah. <clears throat> How many of you know that <coughs> You know, when we <clears throat> open up the scriptures, um, when we delve into God's word, that we have to understand that it is, in fact, God's word. Amen. It's not the word of men. It isn't the word of, of anything else except the word of God. And it being the word of God... Um, There's no price tag that you can place upon God's word. There's nothing can compensate for the lack of God speaking. Amen. It matters not who speaks into your life. If God is silent, then what profit is that to us? Right? Now, everybody else can be silent in your life, but if God has spoken, then that's sufficient. Come on, somebody. Amen. <clears throat> so, and you know what? God God doesn't have to uh, uh, write you an entire um, uh, two-volume uh, book uh, or, or, you know, commentary in order for you to have direction uh, or, or in order for your, uh, your life to change. You know, men, they, they write biographies. Men, they write uh, multiple volume books. But see, all God has to do is, is say one sentence. Or send one word. And it can change the entire course of your life. Right? That's the potency of the Word of God. That is the, uh, the efficacy and the, the potency and the power of the Word of the Lord. God said in the beginning, he said, let there be light, and it was so. Right? That's all he said is, let there be light. See, if man attempted that, we'd still be in darkness. <laughs> and if, if the word of God, it says he upholds all things by the word of his power. If it is by the word of the Lord that all things were framed, 
then then do not be discouraged or disheartened in this in the sense that um, as you're seeking the the voice of God as you're seeking his face all it requires is one word for him to change a situation that you've been waiting on him for uh, for him to change amen <clears throat> you know so many people they're seeking for everybody else and everything else except God himself I want God's help I, 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 it doesn't matter who helps me, what man helps me, what system helps me, but if I'm not helped by God, then what profit is it? What profit if I gain the whole world and lose my own soul? And, and by the same token, what profit if it is, is it if I gain all the world's help but forfeit God's? And so you want to know one of the ways that you secure the help of God is to do His will because He is a jealous God and he is jealous for you to accomplish the, his will and not your own. And so for you to have God's insurance policy is for you to do what he said and not what they say or what you say or what the devil says. Right? Don't do what you want to do. Do what God wants you to do. Uh, I, I want us to go to First Kings. Oh, come on, somebody! You know, uh, we were first called Christians at Antioch. That's what the Bible tells us in Acts, and it was assigned to us as a derogatory word. In other words, it wasn't the best label. Uh, but we were, you know, I'm not saying it's a bad label now. It's actually, you know, a good label. Uh, but ultimately, we are followers of the way. Capital W. We're followers of the way. And the way is Christ. Now, I don't know if you knew this, but you know, in the temple, um, the entrance to the temple was called the way. The holy place was called the truth. And the holiest of all was called the life. And so when Jesus says that he is the way, the truth, and the life, well, where what was the holiest of all? That was the presence of God. And so in other words, he was saying there, there's no other way to the Father. There's no other way to that life save through Amen. Jesus Christ. Right. So, um, but we're followers of the way. But the interesting thing that I'm finding as uh, it's very trendy, and is very uh, common, is that we we follow we say we claim to be followers of the way, but we don't follow the word. Can I submit to you that you cannot be a follower of the way and not follow the word? Well, how about this? People claim to follow the word, but really they're following their interpretation of the word. They're not following the word. They're following what they think the word says. Right? And now that can be intentional or unintentional. You may be intentional of trying to find out what the word says, but you be misguided um, 
as as it, people often are like and and I know I throw these people under the bus very often but it's because they deserve to be thrown under the bus but a lot of the people who argue against tongues today like John MacArthur, Justin Peters, Stephen Lawson, all these uh uh deformed theologians, I mean reformed theologians <laughs> deformed um I, I, the reason why I do that is because we don't want to produce blasphemers, and that's what they're doing. They're producing blasphemers that are blaspheming against the, the gifts of the Holy Ghost. Well, come on, somebody. I know, I know people don't like that, but I really don't care because I'm coming for their necks. No, in, in fact, if it's, it's, not, it's worse than them merely not believing they, they blaspheme. They'll blaspheme tongues. They'll blaspheme the moves of the Spirit. They're dangerous. And so uh, that, that vegetable, John MacArthur, isn't worth listening to. None of those guys are. They claim to be purporting truth, but they're, they're, they're purporting falsehood. And, and, you know, it's not just this minor thing that's, you know, it's dangerous. It's dangerous because, again, as I've said, they're producing blasphemers. God didn't give them that doctrine. God, the Holy Ghost, didn't give them that doctrine. Because the last time I checked, the Bible says that he will pour out his spirit upon all flesh, that they will dream dreams, they will see visions, Right? I look all throughout the book of Acts and they're speaking in tongues. Now, I know that we're not to be arrogant in our in our belief in the gifts. But however, I, I will defend it to my grave. And I'm not going to say that it's a mere secondary issue. There is nothing secondary about what God intends on giving his people. Amen. Amen. I can tell you today that I am where I am in God because of tongues. Hallelujah. You know, many of the, the, the revelations that I get are from tongues, spending hours in, in praying in tongues. And prophetic words given from tongues that, that bless other people. And you want me to digress on my stand of, of praying in uh, that, that heavenly language? No, God forbid. You know, the interesting thing is, I, I've, I've prophesied the witches and, and gangsters and thugs and people that were in the occult where God would give me visions and, and, and things that only they knew that only God can know. And the interesting thing is people out there, they will believe in it more than people of God's so-called chosen. They're, they they will believe, see, the thing is, once you go around people that have a PhD in theology, all they want to do is argue with you and argue against God. But you go to some downtrodden sinners who may even be looking into a dark arts book and conjuring demons, they'll believe the power of God before these theologians. Man, it's, it's crazy to me. And even, but the interesting thing is there's nothing new under the sun. That was the same problem Jesus had with Pharisees. 
Oh, you can't heal on the Sabbath. Oh, you know, oh, tongues, the, the, you know, uh, the prophecy, that's, that, that, that's no longer in operation today. It's a lie from the devil. Oh, you're, you're cold reading. It must be a scam. But anyways, <coughs> so every opportunity I have to defend this doctrine, I will because this is biblical. This is God's word. This, this isn't man's word they're tampering with. You, you see? So, you know, l let us be zealous to contend for that truth, man. Um, this is the promise of the outpouring of the Spirit. The second thing greatest to salvation is the outpouring of the Spirit. So, amen. I, 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 don't, I don't claim to be no Pentecostal. I don't, I don't claim all those labels and titles. But one thing I do claim to be is a follower of the Scriptures. And this is what the Word of God says. Amen. I, I'm just a mailman. I'm just a messenger. Amen. And so, don't, don't allow anybody to cause you to shrink back on these truths. Because the moment you give up ground, guess what? See, the moment you give up ground when it comes to these things, then the church are going, the church is going to be a church that doesn't believe in all of this. They won't believe in casting out demons. They won't believe in, in praying in tongues. They won't believe in prophecy. And do we want a church that can't cast out demons? Do we want a church that, no, we don't want a church that does that. We, we want a church that includes all of that. Exactly, brother. And so, you know, and again, that doesn't mean be arrogant about it, but stand your ground. Stand your ground on it. So, <coughs> I want to read something in First uh, Kings. Oh, I was... Um, Let's uh first Kings chapter eleven verse fourteen. <coughs> <clears throat> now I want to give you a little bit of background here, so you know, as as many of you probably already know, is that Solomon was a was the son of David, right? And as we, as Acts tells us, is that God, that David was a man after God's own heart. Um, David was a righteous man. You know, of course, he wasn't perfect, and in he he ended up committing some very heinous sins. Right, he had uh, his one of his loyal, most loyal men uh, killed in the battlefield because he ended up sleeping with Bathsheba, and so he was guilty of, of bloodshed. And 
lie, uh, deception, uh, adultery. But nevertheless, prior to his fall, um, and it would interest you to know that the law actually commanded, because he was on the rooftop, the law actually commanded that there be, um, uh, in other words, basically like, I wouldn't say a fortress, but uh, something that would have blockaded, would have uh, uh, surrounded that rooftop so that David didn't build that. Had he have built it, he may never have seen Bathsheba. So it just goes to show that disobedience in the small things can lead to greater sins. Right? Um, so, you know, we might look at that and say, well, why, why did the law say for us to do that? What, it's a big, big deal. I didn't murder anybody. I didn't, you know what I mean? That sort of rationale can, you know, find place within your mind and then as a consequence of it much later, you, you end up um, suffering harm. Amen? Because uh, you, you, you do what God said, not, you don't do what God told you to do, even in the small areas. <clears throat> but nevertheless, David is the father of Solomon, and, and David did what was righteous all the days of his life, life with the exception of the, those heinous crimes, those heinous sins. And now, of course, as we know that uh, Jesus Christ is the seed of David, and, and uh, the Lord had promised David that he would have a son to sit upon the throne. Now, ultimately, that son was Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, Solomon, however... You know, the thing with Solomon, we have to take note of this. See, one of the things that we, we, we do when we read the Kings or we read really any narrative within the scriptures is we learn the character of God because, you know, you may not find a systematic doctrine like you would in, say, Romans when you read First Kings or you read Second Kings or anything like that. But what you do find is how God dealt with certain people or he dealt with certain sins or how he related to certain things or how people related to him. Amen. And one of the things that we extrapolate in uh, the story of the kings, particularly in, in the life of David and the life of Solomon, is that uh, uh, the fruit didn't fall far from the tree. And what was David's problem because David had a, a problem, as we see, with adultery, right? He had a, he had a problem with uh, 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 women. See, Solomon, Solomon's problem with women was magnified and intensified. Uh, you know, see, that's that. So the problems are ultimately generational. Do you see that? And see, Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. So, so uh, uh, the, the, the wickedness was strengthened a generation following. And, and it's the same thing with righteousness. It, it, uh, you know, a child builds upon the righteous foundation you laid for them. And they grow therein. 
so that wherever you left off, they pick up. Do you see that? You, you carry the baton, you pass it on to them, so to speak. But in Solomon's case, he, he picked up the baton, right? And he didn't cut, he didn't cut off what, what David failed to cut off. You see that? And, and so as a consequence, not only did he have multiple women, you know, it was bad enough that 700 wives and 300 concubines, if that wasn't bad enough, they were foreign women. And, and God didn't want them intermingling with these other nations because their gods would become the gods of Israel, the gods of Judah. Amen? See, this just goes to show the significance, how important it is to not intermingle with people of other cultures. Now, I'm not saying, now I'm not saying what you might think I'm saying. What I'm saying by that is a culture of wickedness. I'm not saying that it's bad to, you know, hey, this person is from this country, that person is from that country, and, and, and you guys can, you know, both Christians know that it's, it's bad for you guys to intermingle. No, it's bad if you intermingle with people who have a culture of wickedness. Because, you know, what happens is once you become comfortable with them, it's harder for you to, it's harder for you to, to say what you really want to say. It's easy for you to say something bad to an enemy, but what happens when you begin to accept someone as a friend? It's kind of like Saul, you know, the interesting thing with, uh, with Eli, you know, Hannah, she, she was praying in the temple and he was quick to chide uh, uh, Hannah. Oh, you, you drunkard. He had mistaken what was going on because she was, you know, praying and he thought that she was getting drunk and going to the temple and praying. But Eli, the priest, was quick to chide her from what he assumed uh, uh, she was doing. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's interesting because, you know, the, the eyes of, of Eli in his latter years were growing dim. So I think he was losing discernment and he wasn't able to call a spade a spade because he, he was quick to rebuke those who were righteous, but he was not quick to rebuke his own sons who were wicked. And sometimes people are like that. They know the word of God, but they can't correct wickedness in their own family. Right. But you see, the thing is, Eli was quick to was not quick to rebuke his own sons. But sometimes you can be like Saul. And in Saul's case, Saul was uh, uh, he was quick to even kill his own son. But because and, and he, he would. He was quick to be willing to kill his own son, but it, but he was a, um, a people pleaser. Just because he had a following, he ended up listening to the people when the people say, hey, don't kill your own son. You know, and so that goes to show that sometimes people are, are harder on their family or they're weaker on their family. Does that make sense? You know, and Saul... You know, he, he loved to follow. He, he, he was all about self. He's like a lot of uh, 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 Christian influencers today. They, they, they will, they'll pat people on the head for their wickedness. And say, ah, you know, it's just this. It's not that bad. 
you know, kind of like, uh, you know, Daniel Adams, you know, you know, it, he's keeping company with people who do astral projection. Oh, well, you know, <laughs> you know, it's not that bad. You won't speak on it. It's kind of like, just like Saul. When you, when people got a following, they get funny and they, they don't, they're not so hard on their following. They may even be harder on the people closest to them, but they ain't hard on their following. It makes sense. So which one are you? Are you Eli? Or are you Saul? We can't be like either. We can't be partial. The word of the Lord is the word of the Lord. Amen. But nevertheless, uh, Solomon, he... he uh, The sins of his father was intensified in his life. <coughs> the sins of his father was intensified. It, it, it didn't get cut off. And um, so he ascends to the throne. Now, as a result of David's sin, you know, God told David, basically, bloodshed is not going to flee your house. So th this goes to show the importance of believing God and obeying God, because when we don't obey the Lord... We end up suffering consequences. Even if God forgives you, it doesn't negate the fact that you're still going to be met with trouble. You're still going to be met with suffering because we disobeyed the word of the Lord. Amen. Nobody wants continual bloodshed in their house. And yet conspiracy, sedition, uh, uh, bloodshed, all of this stuff started happening all for what? Because of the sin that David committed. Yes, God forgave him, but this continued throughout his lineage. And so it goes to show the, the, the utter indispensable importance and significance of laying a righteous foundation and obeying the Lord to the T. Crossing every T and dotting every I. Now, it says right here, 1 Kings chapter uh, 11, verse uh, 14, says, Then the Lord raised up against Solomon an adversary, Hadad the Edomite, from the royal line of Edom. Now, the reason why I'm reading this is because the Lord raised up an adversary against Solomon. Now, this is a, this is a uh, you know, one of God's chosen. He comes from uh, David, a man after God's own heart. And, and so he's reigning upon the throne. He's reigning over um, Israel. And, and, but never, despite being the Lord, uh, a king for the Lord's people, the Lord raises up an adversary against Solomon. So that goes to show that, you know, some of the things that, that some of the adversaries in our lives might be the direct result of our disobedience to God. You know, to, to be sure, some adversaries are in our lives because of our obedience to God. Jesus says, Think not that I come to bring peace on the earth, but I come to bring a sword, father against mother, or father against uh, a son, you know, so on and so forth. He says, Their enemies shall be the enemies of their own household. 
on the account of Christ. But he says, if you're persecuted for righteousness, righteousness sake, blessed are you. But, you know, Peter says, what profit is it for you if, if for uh, uh, unrighteousness sake you're persecuted? There's no profit in that. There's profit and there's gain for being mistreated for righteousness sake. You know, I've said this before. You know, there's a lot of street preachers out there that think that they're being persecuted for righteousness sake. But they're being persecuted for obnoxious. Of being obnoxious. And they think they're being persecuted for Christ. But really, you know, they're, they're just a thorn in people's side because, you know, you know, they're going, you know. They're, I don't know. They're just belligerent and they're obnoxious and they're not really a, a, a sound of good news to a lot of people. I'm not against street preaching. I'm just, I'm not for um, obnoxious street preaching that, that doesn't bring any any benefit to people, any any power, you know what I mean? Any God, any, uh, it doesn't bring the kingdom. You know, so, uh, but nevertheless, <coughs> and so what happens, does that make sense? You know, because I'm sure you've seen some of those guys out there, you know, on, on, on YouTube, and, and it's like, you know, I've seen this one where this guy, he went into Joe Olstein's church, and then he started like, <laughs> he just wanted to be like Jesus. And he he uh, he started uh, tossing over you know those um, those black poles that that you know what are they called? It's like you can create lines with them. Like you can. Uh, do you guys know what I'm talking about? They're like these black poles, and it connects to another black pole, and and you can you know. Well, he started throwing over. He started throwing them over in Joel Osteen's church. I'm not saying that Joel Osteen is a good preacher or anything. The point, though, is like you got to understand. Like there was only one temple in Jesus's day, and they had to go to the temple. So it wasn't like Jesus was looking for trouble. Like whose church can I go inside? And you know, he wasn't. Doing, and let me record it too to put it on YouTube so everybody sees how much of a martyr I am. Like Jesus didn't do that. But yeah, a lot of people are doing that stuff for views. <laughs> and, and it's like, anyways. Um, <coughs> but nevertheless, what, what we find is that eventually, you know, Solomon dies. Um. Excuse me, uh, let me let me find this verse real quick. Mm. Now, <clears throat> who ended up succeeding Solomon was Rehoboam. Now, I don't want you to confuse these two names because there's Rehoboam and then there's Jeroboam. Now, Jeroboam ended up working for Solomon. As we read right here, uh, 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 26. Also, Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, rebelled against the king. The king there, it says, against the king. 
He was one of Solomon's officials, an Ephraimite from Zerida, and his mother was widow named Zeruah. Now, the reason why I'm pointing out Jeroboam is because Jeroboam ends up, ends up receiving uh, uh, from the hand of the Lord uh, uh, a kingdom that was, in, that was torn from Solomon. Okay, because of Solomon's wickedness. Uh, see, here's the thing. God, see, God intentionally desired for, for that entire kingdom to be subject to David. And had Solomon continued in righteousness, uh, that, that kingdom, all of that kingdom would have been his. But see, here's the thing. That, that may be the case for you today. That God desires for you to have dominion over, you know, a much larger jurisdiction. But because of unrighteousness, you have a, a certain amount of favor that is stripped from you. You may have, a, a, you know, certain relationships or, or whatever it is that is stripped from you because you're not in keeping with the word of God. And so what we see is that. Uh, the ten tribes of Israel was in was given to Jeroboam instead of Solomon. See what I've learned is that if you don't if you don't uh, uh, if you're not a faithful steward over what God has given you, God will give it to somebody else. Come on, somebody, look at what uh, uh, with Judas, right? It says, "Let another take his office." So Judas didn't fulfill, uh, uh, Judas wasn't righteous, and, and Judas didn't uh, live out the office of an apostle. So, uh, you know, and then in the days of the book of Acts, you know, the, 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 the 11 ended up casting lots, and I believe the lots fell, fell on Matthias, uh, who ended up, you know, taking Judas's office. But the point, though, is this, is that unrighteousness can cause for, you know, ca uh, uh, you can forfeit things if you don't do what God tells you to do. Now, look at verse 29. Let's read a little bit. Are we still here? So it says, uh. First uh, Kings chapter 11, verse 29. About time, that time, Jeroboam was going out of Jerusalem and Ahijah, the prophet of Shiloh, met him on the way wearing a new cloak. The two of them were alone out in the country and Ahijah took hold of the new cloak he was wearing and tore it into 12 pieces. So, you know, the interesting thing is uh, here is that, uh, you know, Jeroboam, isn't even uh, looking for a word. He's not fasting for a word. He's not praying for a word. Now, I'm not saying that is a bad thing to fast and pray for a word, you know, but the point, though, is that, you know, sometimes people are so scared that they'll miss the will of God, but the will of God met him. Do you see that? Like, because they're just, because a prophet ended up giving him a word and, and they're, they're, you know, he's not seeking for it, but God sought to give it to him. 
Now, to be sure, sometimes you have to press into God and you have to seek from him counsel and direction. But I think this is indicative of the fact that God wants you to do his will more than you want to do it. So sometimes people are so anxious that they'll miss the will of God, you know, when they're seeking for it. But this man wasn't seeking for it and he stumbled into it. Amen, somebody? Don't be overly scrupulous. You know, scalping, you know, layer after layer. Is this really the will of God? You know, I, I think that the carefulness is, is a good thing. But, you know, I heard that uh, in the shadows of your strengths lie the seeds of your destruction. So sometimes, you know, good things, the enemy can turn into a bad thing and, and cause you to shoot yourself in your own foot. Come on, somebody. You know, people who are overly careful to be righteous. Now, I'm not saying don't desire to be righteous, but the Bible says, you know, uh, don't be overly wise or overly foolish. Why should you destroy yourself? It says that in Ecclesiastes, you know, because sometimes people who, who, you know, who have a pure heart, but are in balance, they, they, they can question everything they do. And they're robbed of peace when, even when they're in the will of God. You know, so you, you just be careful of that. Uh, <coughs> verse 31, then he said to Jeroboam, take 10 pieces for yourself, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, see, I'm going to tear the kingdom out of Solomon's hand and give you 10 tribes. See, you know, uh, uh, God was going to tear from Solomon's hands. You know, people, see, people, uh, uh, they're rubbed a bit wrong when, uh, you know, you say that Solomon was a wicked king. Solomon wasn't a righteous king. He had high places. He worshipped the gods of, of, of his foreign women, of his foreign wives. You know? And then not only that, you know, he, he didn't use the proper wood when building the temple either. You know, I, I've met people like that. They're sacrilegious. You know, they'll, they'll worship God their own way. Yeah, I mean, in the beginning, yeah, he was living wise and, and righteous, but he, he became corrupt. It just goes to show that you can be wise and fall, just like Ravi Zacharias, very philosophically astute and a wise man, but yet living a double life. And, you know, was exploiting a bunch of, of women and getting special massages, you know, at massage places and stuff like that. So, you know, wisdom and stuff that don't wow me. What what what's what is very rare is is for people to be righteous under pressure. <clears throat> 
But that's the thing is that he was righteous in the beginning. Uh, you know, God gave him wisdom in the beginning. And, and so people say it doesn't matter how you uh, start, but how you end. Both matter. It matters how you start and how you end. Now, the more important of the two is how you end, because you can start off bad and end up well. But, hey, man, I want to start off good and I want to end good. Come on, somebody. Hey, this righteousness stuff ain't for the faint of heart. It's not for it's not for the lazy. You know, I, I pray all every single day. I you know, I hack away at even the smallest of things because I'm not trying to get tripped up. And so you get what I'm saying? Verse thirty two says, But for the sake of my servant David and the city of Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, he will have one tribe. I will do this because they have forsaken me and worship Ashtoreth, the goddess of, of the Sidians, Shamash, the god of the Moabites, and Molech, the god of the Ammonites, and have not walked in obedience to me, nor done what is right in my eyes, nor kept my decrees and laws as David, Solomon's father, did. So you see, look at Solomon, he's following after these Moabites, uh, the Flebites, the Gigabites. <laughs> The terabytes. <laughs> the flea bites. <laughs> but see, but here's the thing. <clears throat> he didn't start off that way. You know, he said, oh man, you know, it, it, it's kind of like... Uh, so, I, man, I tell you so many times, you know, a cer certain Christians, they were doing good, but then they married somebody they shouldn't have married. And now their, their, their integrity is compromised. Their standards are compromised. You know, my cousin was telling me uh, uh, recently when... He was in prison years ago before, well, he originally got locked up when he wasn't saved, but he got saved in prison. And uh, he was talking about how uh, as he was, they were in a prayer group and then he got a prophetic word. God gave him someone's name and then he's like, hey, you know, he, he told one of the brothers that was praying, you know, he's like, hey, you know, uh, so-and-so. Because God gave, God gave uh, my cousin the name of this guy who was a gangster. He's like, yeah. He's like, in fact, he's walking right past her cell right now. And he's like, hey, come here. <laughs> and so uh, the, the guy came in there and then my cousin prophesied to him. He's like, hey, you know, your name is so-and-so. And, -so, and uh, God says you're currently in gangs. But, you know, you, you want, uh, you've been thinking about leaving in order to fulfill the plan of God in your life. And if you do X, Y, and Z, uh, you'll get favor and they won't basically take your life. Um, and, and basically God will restore your life. And, uh, but 
long story short, the guy didn't heed that prophetic word and uh, now he's serving life. So he didn't leave that lifestyle. So it, it just goes to show that, you know, you, you can have a wonderful, beautiful prophetic word spoken over your life that God wants to do and now you, you commit to foolishness. You do stupidity. Right? <clears throat> so, Solomon was like that. He just didn't, he didn't, he didn't obey, he didn't listen. <clears throat> um, But it says, but I will not take the whole kingdom out of Solomon's hand. I have made him ruler all the days of his life for the sake of David, my servant. You know, sometimes people are living off the blessing of their family. See, because some of the favor in your life isn't even because of you. It's because of those who had preceded you. And, and, and also, you know, the things that you're doing right now for, you know, the foundation that you're laying, God may favor your children uh, uh, because of your righteousness. They won't walk into the fullness of what, for what, uh, what could be, but because of God's faithfulness to you, you know, he'll allow some good things to happen to your children, even if they're not walking after God's course. That makes sense. See, people don't know God. You know, what did God tell Abraham? He says, "Those who bless you, I will bless; but those who curse you, I'll curse." You know, <clears throat> there are. I, I, I'll submit to you today that there are some unrighteous people who have blessed my life, and because they and they may not even be following God, but because they blessed me, God now will bless them. Doesn't mean they will become saved because of their good deeds, but it means that God will honor that and there will be uh, enormous favor just because they blessed the man of God. But by the same token, any man who, you know, any, any wicked person that curses me, God will curse them. God's word is God's word. You know, look, when the Ark of the Covenant was was in I forgot the man's name, but I believe it was in Second Samuel. Uh, was in his house. God ended up favoring that whole man's house and blessed him on the account of the ark being in his home. So God can lift men, right, just for hosting the ark. How much more in a greater vessel? in whom these, uh, these treasures reside in an earthen vessel, in a child of God, when people begin to welcome... See, if a man welcomed the ark into his home and he was blessed, how much more a messenger of the gospel? Oh, come on, somebody. So, you know, you know that, that's the... Anyways... Just real quickly, you know, sometimes people are like, you know, they, they, they think they honor God, but they dishonor God's messengers, like true messengers. I'm not talking about charlatans and people like that. Uh, you know, God 
could bless someone for that. You know, what was it? Prophet, uh, Prophet, uh, be, I, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Beaten Hinojosa or something like that. He's an African man. Check this out. So there was a man uh, that that prophet was on a on an airplane, and he tells all of everybody in the airplane. He says, "I need two seats," <laughs> and everybody's like, "This guy, who do you think he is? This poor little preacher. Poor little preacher." You know, he probably don't have a degree in his theology. He probably even go to university. Poor little preacher. You know, and so no one's paying him any mind. You know why? Because it ain't a famous celebrity. But who, who gives, who, who gives, you know, two flips about a, a celebrity? Because the, the Bible says that, you know, that uh, uh, they're not even worthy of the saints. It, you know, it spoke of the saints in Hebrews and it says of whom the world's not worthy. The world's not worthy of us. But nonetheless, you know, uh, he's like, I need two seats. And, uh, well, anyways, this one man ends up giving up his seat. And then that prophet says, kneel down. And then he prayed for him and he blessed him. That man he blessed became the richest man in Africa. And, and so that goes to show that one act, what did the woman do when she honored Jesus and, and, and she, she broke the alabaster box at his feet? He says, this woman will now be remembered from generation to generation. Why? Because she, she worshiped and, and, and she, she, you know, now of course she, 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 she broke it over to the Christ, but don't be mistaken, what the, Jesus says, if you do this for the least of my followers, surely you've done unto me. Amen. That's why, that's why, you know, for those that are extremely disobedient, and I'm not saying, you know, be a yes man. But those who are rebellious towards their pastor, but they say they honor God, no, no, because see, if you're if you're rebellious to a man of God, you'll be rebellious to God, and so it's it's always funny when people like that say that because it's like no, you know, your true heart is reflecting. You know, I, it, you know, it's like uh, I remember. You know, years back, there was this one individual. She said, like, I can't wait till I have a husband. I'll submit. I'm like, girl, you don't submit to anybody. <laughs> you, you're not going to submit to man. You already have a hard time when it comes to uh, a, a spiritual authority. And taxes. And everybody else. And your own boss. And you get paid. And you signed up for it. How do you think you're going to submit to a man? You know why? Because people like that don't submit to God even. Because the God they have in their own mind is the God that says, oh, I can do X, Y, and Z. But I'm going to just slap verses on it, taking out of context and make it look like I really serve Jesus. Come on, somebody. But anyways, you know, 
It says, But I will not take the whole kingdom out of Solomon's hand. I have made him a ruler all the days of his life for the sake of David my servant, whom I chose and who obeyed my commands and decrees. I will take the kingdom from his son's hands and give you ten tribes. I will give one tribe to his son so that David my servant may always have a lamp before me in Jerusalem, the city where I chose to put my name. However, as for you, I will take you and you will rule over all that your heart desires. You will be king over Israel. If you do whatever I command you and walk in obedience to me and do what is right in my eyes by obeying my decrees and commands as David my servant did, I will be with you. I will build you a dynasty as enduring as the one I built for David and will give Israel to you. I will humble David's descendants because of this, but not forever. Solomon tried to kill Jeroboam, but Jeroboam fled to Egypt to Shishak, the king, and stayed there until Solomon's death. So you see, you know, God is raising up Jeroboam. Why? Because Solomon failed to do what God wanted him to do. And he failed to be what God wanted him to be. You know, so this is the importance of being righteous because if God has entrusted you to be a steward over something, but you're not righteous, you can forfeit the responsibilities that you've had and then you can't get it back. Oh, thank you, Brother Linus. Yeah, the man who blessed was blessed was Obed, Edom, the Gittite. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, he hosted the ark. It was a covenant and God blessed him as a result of that. <clears throat> but look at, so, you know, now, then we end up seeing that, um, you know, in verse uh, 43 of, the 11th chapter of, of 1 Kings, is Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, ended up succeeding uh, Solomon. And now, I, I, want, I, want, I want you to understand that Rehoboam was king over Judah. Okay? Now, Jeroboam, Jeroboam was king over the 10 tribes of Israel. There's a difference there. You know, and and Judah was in Jerusalem and and Jeroboam was king over Israel right so there was a divide and that divide happened because of Solomon's sin now now I, I want to point out to you that Jeroboam didn't end up fulfilling God's conditions that prophetic word was given to him by that prophet when they're walking in the country, right? And the prophet tore off from a garment. And he says, just as I tore out this garment, you know, God's going to tear from Solomon, uh, you know, Israel, and he's going to give it to you. And if you obey me, then, uh, you know, your dynasty will continue. But what happened is the man in the, he, Jeroboam was, uh, was disobedient. And so <clears throat> what we see here is... Um, <clears throat> Look at Jeroboam, uh, uh, 1 Kings chapter 12. Um, 
It says, verse 26, Jeroboam thought to himself, the kingdom, the kingdom will now likely revert to the house of, hold on, <coughs> the house of David. If these people go up to offer sacrifices at the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem, they will again give their allegiance to their Lord, Rehoboam, king of Judah. They will kill me and return to King uh, Rehoboam. After seeking advice, the king made two golden calves. He said to the people, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Here are your gods, Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. One he set up in Bethel and the other in Dan. And this thing became a sin. The people came to worship the one at Bethel and went as far as Dan to worship the other. Jeroboam built shrines on high places and appointed priests from all sorts of people, even though they were not Levites. He instituted a festival on the 15th day of the 8th month, like the festival held in Judah, and offered sacrifices on the altar. This he did in Bethel, sacrificing to the calves he had made. And at Bethel he also installed priests at the high places he had made. On the 15th day of the 8th month, a month of his own choosing, he offered sacrifices on the altar he had built at Bethel, so he instituted the festival for Israelites and went up to the altar to make offerings. Now, <clears throat> let me explain this to you. See, the remember uh, uh, Rehoboam is king over Judah, right? And now the temple was in Jerusalem. The temple that God... Now, you have to understand, see, temples weren't like church. We're like, oh, I'm going to go visit this church today. <laughs> then I'm going to go visit that one over there. See, there was only one temple. And so that if you wanted to worship the Lord in the days of the Old Testament, you couldn't do it from a, apart from the priests. It just wasn't possible. See, when Abraham gave up his son Isaac on the altar, <coughs> that's the first time the word worship is mentioned in the scriptures and, and, and in hermeneutics which is the art of interpretation there's something called the law of first mention so whenever you see a particular individual mention or a term mention or a word mention then that sets the precedence for when that word is mentioned thereafter and anywhere else in the scriptures that first mention is what sets the precedence for the definition of that word or term. So when Abraham says, you know, me and the boy will go worship, what was he going to do? He was going to offer up Isaac. And so we see that, uh, uh, that worship to God is to offer a sacrifice. People think it's, you know, strumming on your guitar or it's to play the piano and to sing praises unto God. That's praise. Now, uh, you know, you know, he says, praise ye the Lord, lift up a, a, a triumphant voice and stuff like that. But, but see, people today think that worship is a change in tempo of, of the song. No, worship was to offer sacrifices unto God. Okay. So, you know, when we, the Bible describes uh, 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 David as a worshiper, what did he do? You know, when he says, oh, how I long for the waters of Bethlehem. And then, you know, two of his guys ended up overhearing. He's like, oh, man, let, let's get the king some waters from Bethlehem. And then, well, they retrieved the water from Bethlehem. 
And then he's like, you know what? Uh, I can't drink this. Because it, it was it, it would have been at the cost of my men's lives. And, and so he's like, he poured that out as an offering, as a sacrifice unto God. And David says, I will not offer unto God a sacrifice that costs me nothing. And so it was at, at the expense of what would potentially have been the, li- the, the blood of, of his men's lives that he poured out that drink offering unto God. Uh, and so the, essentially his uh, ability to trust God and, and to give unto God was what made him a worshiper. In addition to the fact that, you know, he, you know, he praised the Lord and, you know, he had, you know, he, was, he played the harp and stuff like that. Don't get me wrong. You know, you can uh, uh, worship God by giving you, giving him your heart. But the point in case is that it was never disassociated from offering sacrifices. And now the temple was located in Jerusalem over which Rehoboam, son of Solomon, was king over. Is that So here's the problem. Jeroboam, who is king over Israel, is like, I don't want my people going to Jerusalem because if they go over there, their hearts are going to turn back unto Rehoboam. And so instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to institute my own priesthood and I'm going to do my, I'm, I'm, I'm going to replicate what they're doing over there. But instead, I'm going to make golden calves and it's not God that they're worshiping. Do you see how sometimes, you know, people, they, they can act like they're religious, but really it's a root of rebellion. Come on, somebody. Is that making sense? Do you understand that there's really only one temple that God had and, and the Levites through which they worshiped God? See, it was only the Levitical priesthood, the, the tribe of Levi from uh, which priests uh, were derived and who had authority from God to worship God, to, to receive tithes and offerings from the people and sacrifices from the people, Right? And so no other tribe had authority to do that. And so since uh, 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 Jeroboam has authority over the ten tribes of Israel, and he's in Israel in which there is no temple, there are no Levitical priests, there is therefore no worship, instead he ends up instituting what he wants Right, so that the hearts of the people are not led back to Rehoboam, and so he he wanted control. He he wanted influence. It's like what a lot of people doing today is they want influence of people, and and at the expense of wanting to retain that control and influence over people, they end up compromising the ways of God. Oh man, you know, not enough people are coming in. You know, we, you know, the numbers are kind of down. So, ah, uh, we're going to keep company with warlocks who do astral projection like Daniel Adams does. Keeping uh, company with guys teaching astral projection and third eye and all that other stuff. You get what I'm saying? Because after all... If we start teaching the word of God in truth, that's going to cut our numbers. And we can't, we can't forfeit these people. Right? 
But but the sin of, of Jeroboam was that he made <coughs> a priesthood of the common people. And there's nothing new under the sun. You know, I, I've seen pastors put people, you know, to teach the word or to send people out to be pastors who weren't called to that. And what they're doing is they're trying to make, uh, uh, trying to fill shoes that belong to those who are called of God from the common people. And it can't work. And so, you know, the altar was only in the temple. <clears throat> and so they're, they're, they're erecting their own altars. You know, it's kind of like the people that can't listen to spiritual authority and, 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 and you know, they, they uh, and I'm talking about good authority. I'm not talking about being manipulated and being spiritually abused. Th those things happen, in which case you need to, you know, leave. There's people that, you know, will lie in your face and say, God said this when God didn't say it just to control people. That's dangerous, man. But. You know, there's people who can't listen to spiritual authority, good spiritual authority. And, and what happens is the people who are rebellious, they run out and they say, you know what? We're going to erect our own altars. We're going to do it our own way. Man, this is going to sound good. You already know. You already know. <laughs> We're going to do our own thing. <laughs> I've seen it a lot of times. You know, like, you know, there's a saying, you know, some were called, some were sent, and some just went. You know, and then there's a lot of those people who end up having crazy fallouts, you know, crazy things happening. The church, you know, the, you know, the guy is having sex with so many people or, you know, or, or, you know, just crazy stuff. Yeah, you, you can't, it's sad. Um, but it would turn to Amos, turn to Amos. You're like, that book's in the Bible? Who is that? <laughs> I didn't know that was in the Bible. You know why uh, a lot of people don't know it's in the Bible? Is because, uh, unfortunately, the extent of the preaching we hear today is only from the New Testament. Um, and, and that's bad in the sense that I, I think it's revealing that Pastors don't know the Old Testament. People say I'm a New Testament Christian. Can I tell you that that's that's partially false? Uh, now I understand what they're saying because we're under a new covenant. <laughs> we're under a new covenant, but but here's the deal: <clears throat> even though we're under a new covenant, that doesn't mean that the Old Testament still don't speak to us. Now, to be certain, we're not under the Levitical priesthood anymore. We're under the Melchizedek priesthood. And some of the types and shadows that are in the Old Testament have a New Testament fulfillment. But the Old Testament still speaks to us because Paul actually draws from the Old Testament to, to lay out some teachings in the New. At, during the time of the writing of the New Testament, they didn't have the New Testament they had the Old Testament. Yeah. Wow. 
I had someone tell me that I don't need to read the Old Testament. Oh, my gosh. You don't have to read the Old Testament? Wow. Well, I guess we don't have to read the Old Testament and we don't have to listen to them. <laughs> right? You know, see, that's, that's a problem with today because so people, they try to sound so deep. You don't have to read the Old Testament. And it sounds deep. It sounds like, wow, what's this new revelation? It's like the, the people on Mars Hill, right, in Athens. They did nothing uh, but each day listening to something new. And that's how a lot of these people are. You know, there's this guy, uh, uh, he, he, he's a, a maintenance man here, you know, my apartment complex. And he says that, and, and he loves talking about end times. He's all oh, the Antichrist is, you know, the blah, 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 this and this and that. And uh, that's all he talks about, though. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, hey, who's your pastor? He's all, I don't have one. I was like, where do you go to church? I haven't been in church in 20 years. I'm like, ah, oh, you're one of them. You just, you love Mars Hill. You love hearing something new. You just, <laughs> he's all, maybe sometime we should catch up and talk about end time. I'm like, huh? yeah, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> and, you know, in my head, I, like, I just don't believe everything he says, but I just allow him to talk because people like that, they just, you know, they, they love to hear them repeat to themselves. They're really not talking to you. They're not in a conversation with you. They're talking at you just so they can hear themselves repeat the doctrine they love. Like, oh, this sounds good. <laughs> and in my head, I'm thinking, if you only knew. If you only <laughs> But... <laughs> you know and they come up with some funky stuff too some funky stuff you know i you know one guy he said that the he's like oh the antichrist is the king of denmark <laughs> i'm like what does denmark have to do with with the Jews. <laughs> Anyways. Um. <coughs> Excuse me. So look at Amos chapter five. <clears throat> now Amos, no, let me let me show you. Let me just prove it to you. Um, <clears throat> Denmark is somewhere in Europe, or they say America is the Holy Land. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> now. Let me just break this down to you real quickly. The Antichrist was the high priest. <clears throat> um, 
was the Jewish high priest in the first century. Uh, so, I, I, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but let me just interject since we're on this. <clears throat> so, the Antichrist, Paul says in Thessalonians, that he shall take his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming to be God. Okay. Now, what you have to understand is that <clears throat> the temple, for example, is not here today. So Paul is writing to a first century audience. Okay. He's not writing to us. The things that were written aforetime were written for us, but written to them. I have no business writing, okay, someone writes something to you. If I write something to you, someone 2,000 years later cannot say that it was written to them. They will be able to read it and glean from it, but I wrote it to you. So he's writing to a <clears throat> first century audience that well understood that the temple was in Jerusalem. Okay. Now, who had the authority to take their seat in the temple? The high priest did. So, now, it would interest you to know that in Exodus chapter 7, verse 1, the Bible says that God says unto Moses, I shall make you like God unto Pharaoh. Jesus says in John chapter 10, quoting, I think it's Psalm 85 or Psalm 86, somewhere around there in the 80s, he says, <clears throat> you are God's. But who was he referring to? He was referring to the religious authorities. So when the Antichrist was proclaiming to be God, lowercase g, he was essentially saying that he was still the religious authority and he took his seat in the temple. Now when you cross-reference to the Gospels and you see that Jesus says that he will offer up the abomination that causes desolation, <clears throat> when you read Josephus, you learn that the high priest offered up the abomination. What is an abomination defined as biblically? Well, you read in Leviticus, to offer up swine was an abomination unto God. And that's exactly what Josephus records that the high priest did in the first century. As he offered up a, 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 a pig on the altar. <clears throat> now, um, there's so much more that can be said about that. Now, you have to understand this, that Jesus came as the true high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And so that there was a changing of the order of the priesthood. Whereas the high priest after the old Levitical order didn't want to forfeit that position because there was a new high priest on the scene. So when you take into account the prefix, the prefix anti in the Greek, and the word Christos, which is the suffix in Greek, anti-Christos, anti-Christ, it means in replace of or opposed to the Christ. And so the reason that Antichrist opposed or tried to replace the true Christ was because he didn't want to give up his position as the former high priest. And it would interest you to know that it's only the priests and the kings who were anointed in the Old Testament. 
So the high priest was anointed, right? But the true anointed one had come, namely Jesus Christ. And so when that former high priest had opposed the new, and he, he should have made that transition, that's what made him against Christ, opposed Christ, or attempted to be in the place of Christ. Does that make sense? But that aside, because um, that will rabbit trail into so much, so, um, you know, another doctrine that I don't want to get off uh, track to. <laughs> um, look at Amos chapter 1, just so you know uh, in what days this book was written. It says, The words of Amos, one of the shepherds of Tekoa, the vision he saw concerning Israel two years before the earthquake when Uzziah was king of Judah and Jeroboam son of Johash, the king of Israel. He said the Lord roared. So the time in which this prophecy was first uttered began during the reign of Jeroboam. Okay, so who were we just reading about? Jeroboam, who was king over Israel. Right. So, <clears throat> now, remember that we read in 1 Kings where Jeroboam was offering up, he, he, he erected an altar in Dan and at Bethel, and, and he made two golden calves, and, and he basically uh, made a priesthood from the common people, and he said, basically, here, O Israel, these are your gods. He, he made the, the he, you know, he did better than Aaron in the sense that Aaron only made a golden calf. Now he's making two golden calves, right? <clears throat> and so, you know, he's enticing them back to the thing that they worship when they were brought out of Egypt. Now it says right here, look at what the Lord says unto his people through the prophet Amos. <clears throat> Amos chapter 5, verse 4. This is what the Lord says to Israel. Seek me and live. Do not seek Bethel, do not go to Gilgal, do not journey to Beersheba, for Gilgal will surely go into exile, and Bethel will be reduced to nothing. So where do they offer up the, uh, the, the, uh, the altar? In Bethel. Seek the Lord and live, or he will sweep through the tribes of Joseph like a fire. It will devour them, and Bethel will have no one to quench it. So, in other words, they're, they're seeking these golden calves when they should be seeking the Lord in the temple. This is what David says. Now, seeking is not disassociated from worship because David says this one thing that he says that I've desired, that, I'm, uh, uh, that, uh, that I may seek the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon his beauty in the temp and to inquire in his temple. So to seek God in the Old Testament was to worship him. And to worship him was to go to the temple. Do you see that? And so God is saying, look, no, seek for me. Don't go to Bethel where these altars are erected. Go to the temple and seek me. Don't offer sacrifices unto these false gods. Don't follow the ways of Jeroboam. Amen, somebody? 
Now, so that's a good question. Um, I, I, I'll get back to your question at the end. Okay, so I appreciate that question though, Jonelli. <coughs> All right, so Amos, Amos chapter uh, 7. I'll be closing with this passage here. <clears throat> Amos chapter 7. <clears throat> Excuse me. Then Amaziah, uh, verse 10. Amos chapter 7, verse 10. Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sends a message to Jeroboam. Now, Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, remember, uh, Jeroboam made priests from the common people and he erected altars in Bethel and Dan. So this isn't a true priest of God here, okay? Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent a message to Jeroboam, king of Israel. Amos is raising a conspiracy against you in the very heart of Israel. The land cannot bear all his words, for this is what Amos is saying. Jeroboam will die by the sword, and Israel will surely go into exile, away from their native land. Then Amaziah said to Amos, Get out, you seer. Go back to the land of Judah. Now remember, you know, the, the reason why he's saying go back to Judah is, look, look, we got our own thing going on here. You know, go speak to them who, who go worship the Lord at the temple. We're doing our own thing here. Right? We don't want to hear what thus saith the Lord. <clears throat> because you're going to stir up people against Jeroboam and, 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 and they're going to then have to go worship the Lord where Rehoboam is at. But we don't want uh, these people to go over there to Rehoboam. We don't want that. We'll lose control. We'll lose influence. So, hey, just leave us alone. Then it says, Amaziah said to Amos, get out, you seer. Go back to the land of Judah, earn your bread there, and do your prophesying there. Don't prophesy anymore at Bethel, because this is the king's sanctuary and the temple of the kingdom. Now, see, you have to remember, it's not the temple of the Lord. It's the own temple that they made there in Israel. So it's their sacrilegious, pseudo-false worship. Is that understood? like mormonism oh you know the mormon tabernacle right in salt lake city utah or wherever, wherever that's at <laughs> right don't bring your true doctrine here we got our own thing going on right where we allow polygamy we you know we 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 wear special underwear to protect us from evil right we got some strange <laughs> doctrines that's what they teach by the way um and then our so-called prophet got uh, inspiration from the so-called angel on golden tablets. But it just so happens that no one can read the language. And therefore, no one can verify whether everything that's written on these golden tablets that cannot be found conveniently, right? So if someone is saying something is true, but it's not falsifiable nor verifiable, 
you how is there any confidence in what what is what has been written do you see if i said i have a million dollars or i'm a billionaire but it's it's not falsifiable nor verifiable then don't take what i'm saying seriously <laughs> well that's how mormonism is but look at what it says it says uh uh Amos answered Amaziah, I was neither a prophet nor the son of a prophet, but I was a shepherd and I also took care of a sycamore fig trees. But the Lord took me from uh, tending the flock and said to me, go prophesy to my people Israel. Now then hear the word of the Lord. You say, do not prophesy against Israel and stop preaching against the descendants of Isaac. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. Your wife will become a prostitute in the city and your sons and daughter will fly by, fall by the sword. Your land will be measured and divided and you yourself will die in a pagan country and Israel will surely go into exile away from their native land as we come to a close what we hear what we then learn is that Israel did go into exile into ba the Babylonian captivity years later <clears throat> Nebuchadnezzar had ransacked them and and uh, you know and now this is uh, Jeremiah also prophesied out concerning uh, them and uh, they were wanting to go and seek also help from Egypt and um, you know uh, and they didn't they didn't want to believe that they didn't want to believe that they would go into exile but they were eventually uh, brought into captivity under Nebuchadnezzar and they were there for then 70 years uh, but where did this begin and why did it begin? It began because they began to give themselves to idolatry. They began to worship other gods. They began to trust in things made with hands and they didn't trust in the true God, the, the God of Israel. Do you see? And and so, you know, they, they became deteriorated and, and they formed a, a, a false priesthood and a false worship. And they serve false gods. And see, sin always leads to bondage. You see that? See, you, you can even be God's so-called chosen and be led into bondage as a result of your sins. And and so when a, a true prophet comes to you, say, hey, you need to get this in order because if, if, if you don't, then X, Y, and Z will happen. And then... What, what happens is people, they respond with, hey, do your prophesying over there in, in uh, Judah. Uh, I love the Jesus that, we, that we've created here and the temple we've created here because our Jesus allows for homosexuality. Our Jesus is tolerant. Right? <clears throat> our Jesus condones LGBT. Or whatever else. Drunkenness. You know. Drugs. Fornication. Right? Don't, don't tell me the Jesus of the scriptures because that's judgmental. That Jesus, you know. My Jesus is a Jesus of love. He doesn't, he doesn't condemn. You know, there's, there's no discipline. There's none of that. Right? And there's a lot of people that may not say that with their lips, 
but in their hearts, that's really what they believe because they can't submit to the word of God. And so if you can't submit to this, then who, who are you really following? Right. It's it. It can't. It cannot be Jesus if his own words isn't what you implement into your life. Jesus says, they say, Lord, Lord. He says, hey, hold on. He says, uh, uh. He says, you call me Lord and, 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 and you're right in saying that. But he says, uh, uh, basically do what I say also. You know, because there, there will be many who will say, Lord, Lord. But it's the same people who said, Lord, Lord, or were the ones that didn't, didn't obey. Right? Uh, he says, why do you call me Lord and don't do the things that I say? Oh, <laughs> Denise just quoted that right now. That's, that was the verse I was trying to think of. Like, how did he say it again? But yeah, he said, why do you call me Lord, but don't do what I say? What did the Lord Jesus say? If you love me, obey me and keep my commandments. Isn't, isn't what uh, Samuel say? He says, uh, obedience is better than sacrifice. And hearkening unto the voice of God better than the fat of rams. You know, I've used this example before, but it's like someone saying that I'm going to lie on my tax returns so I can feed the poor. It's like, I would love if you wanted to feed the poor, but if you told the truth on your tax returns, you get what I'm saying? And so it's like you want to sacrifice, but you can't sacrifice on your terms. Right? The same here. They were sacrificing, but on their terms, to whom they wanted to sacrifice. See, some people, they want to sacrifice unto God, but in their own way. Right? So, it, they're like, God, I'm sacrificing you, but I'll do it my own way. And there are some people, they just don't sacrifice to God altogether, or they don't even try to sacrifice unto God. They're like, yeah, we're going to sacrifice these golden calves. Both are 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 uh, rejected from God, right? But they they were eventually brought into captivity and uh, and and put into bondage, right? <clears throat> but here, let me let me. This was the last passage I'll read, and it's the the latter end of Amos. Just so I can leave on more of a, a, a an encouraging note. <clears throat> Amos chapter 9 verse 11. In that day I will restore David's fallen, uh, fallen uh, shelter. I will repair its broken walls and restore its ruins and will rebuild it as it used to be. So that they may possess the remnant of Eden and all the nations that bear my name declares the Lord who will do these things. The days are coming declares the Lord. When the reaper will be overtaken by the plowman and the planter by the treading grapes, new wine will drip from the mountains and flow from all the hills. And I will bring my people Israel back from exile and they will rebuild their ruined cities and live in them. They will plant vineyards and drink their wine. They will make gardens and eat their fruit. I will plant Israel in their own land, never again to be uprooted from the land I have given them, says the Lord your God. Now, 
I don't have time to go into how this serves a dual fulfillment. Uh, because after the 70 years were expired and uh, when the people of Israel were led into captivity into Babylon, uh, God ultimately uh, 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 you know, set them free. And now there is a dual fulfillment in the sense that And I don't want to go into it because it goes into end times. There's just so much to unpack. But God ended up restoring Israel. Now, Paul says not all Israel is Israel in Romans. And Paul actually conflates the Jews and Gentiles as the new Jerusalem, uh, as the new Israel. Um this is why Paul says in 2 Philippians to the church at Philippi, he says, we are the circumcision who worship the Lord by the Spirit, right? He says, we are the circumcision. And of course, Jews were those who got circumcised. Uh, and the, the hill upon which the Lord restored them was Mount Zion. And Mount Zion is heavenly. This is why in Hebrews chapter 12, it says, you have not come unto a mountain that can be touched, but you have come unto Mount Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem, the church of the firstborn. So God ultimately did, there was a dual fulfillment in the sense that God did bring his people unto a mountain, but this mountain cannot be touched. And, and, and Isaiah 25 prophesies about that, that upon this hill, my people, he says, uh, there shall be a feast of fatted things and, and aged wine, just like he's speaking about here in Amos chapter 9. And then of course, um, you can go in Isaiah 66 and Isaiah 62. And, and, and so th- there's, a, there's a dual fulfillment in the sense that uh, uh, God brings together both Jew and Gentile and forms a new man, breaking down the middle wall of partition and, 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 and thereby uh, all of Israel is saved. Uh, when, when the apostles had to go to Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the earth. Um, but I don't want to go into that. But the point, though, here is in the immediate context, uh, there is a prophecy concerning a, a, a Israel and how they will ultimately have their captivity turned back and, and that they would be restored back uh, to the land and, and God will have mercy upon them and, and restore them and so I want to apply this to us in the sense that, that if we have gone into captivity because of our idolatry, because of our sins, because of our iniquity, because of our transgressions, the blood of Christ is able to restore us back and to uh, or retrieve us from that captivity. Right? When the Bible says he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men, right? So the Lord bound up the strong man and ended up retrieving those goods. That's what the Lord Jesus does for us. He sets us free from the power of sin, the captivity, and the bondage of the wicked one, right? And so that despite all of your disobedience, God is able to restore unto the year, uh, unto you the years that the locust has eaten up, the years that you were in captivity, and on all the mess that you've made of your own life. Amen? Amen, somebody. 
Amen. <clears throat> so, um, as we come to a close, my, my, my encouragement to us is to not go to Bethel, to not go to Dan, where these altars are, so to speak, and begin to sacrifice unto wickedness, to sacrifice unto unrighteousness, to continue to live your own way, uh, but to seek the Lord and live. And we know that to seek him was to go to the temple. And, and so there is therefore a law. There, there's requirements that God has. There's conditions. There's, uh, there's a protocol. There's, there's, there's certain precepts that he wants you to keep. You can't just do things your way. But he's giving you an opportunity to live. To flee the bondage. To flee the captivity. Right? To be restored. <clears throat> you know Jesus is the king Jesus is the uh, is is uh, after the seed of David a true and righteous king and we have to accept his government and we have to get out from under Jeroboam in other words a wicked government a government that leads you and entices you to Molech and ultimately leads you into the captivity under Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. And now, and this is to be taken figuratively, whatever that means. That means an ungodly relationship. That means you know, you, you've accepted that government. And now your life is in shambles. It's in ruins. Uh, but God wants to deliver you from that. Amen. So let, let us pray a prayer real quick and I want to pray for you and then we'll get to the questions afterward. <clears throat> I want you to come into agreement with this prayer right now. Father, right now in the mighty name of Jesus, God, you, you always raised up a Moses, you raised up a prophet, you raised up the judges, Lord, in the days of, 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 your, uh, of the history of, of your ancient people, God, to deliver your people from bondage. And so, Father, as a sent one, as, as, as a, a prophet of you, Lord, and I, I, am, I magnify my office, Lord, and I pray that the anointing uh, would, would fall upon your people and break the yoke that has led them into captivity, the yoke that has put them into bondage. And so, Father, I pray right now, that you would deliver them, Lord. That you would set them free, God. Right now, Lord, I command for every yoke to break. I command for them to be loosed from iniquity. For them to be loosed from every demonic stronghold. For them to be loosed in Jesus' name. Right now, by the blood of Christ. By the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Be free. Be set free. May that yoke, may that iron chain, may it sever. May that iron chain of that relationship, of that depression, may it be cut off in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I feel the anointing already. May the blood of Jesus cover your sin. 
May it cover your iniquity. May it restore you. May it restore the years that the devil has eaten up. May the Holy Ghost breathe upon you and bring glory to your life. Bring restoration to your life. Hallelujah. Restore your marriage. Restore your relationships. Restore your wealth. Restore your health in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Receive that right now. Receive grace from God right now in Jesus' name. I just prophesy over you. I just declare over you that you will no longer be in bondage. You will no longer be held in chains. That you will no longer be kept down, but you shall rise up and be the head and not the tail. Above and not beneath. That you will be blessed and you're going in and you're going out. And that every curse that has been spoken over your life would be destroyed and be eradicated. Hallelujah. Receive grace right now from God. Hallelujah. And may the peace of the Holy Ghost, the peace of God, cover your mind and your heart in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. <coughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Sister Andrea, um, if you if you would like to sing a song, um, by the way, I, I don't believe that the 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 Zoom can process the instruments being played, so I don't know if you'd be able to sing a cappella. Um, but if you'd be able to close us out in a song, uh, that'd be uh, wonderful. Okay, let's try. Uh, I will just try and then ask if you can hear it well. Okay. Hold, on, hold on, let me see. Recording.